Hey, this is Rick Myrup, and welcome to Around the Farm, where we're going to be talking about all things agriculture. This afternoon, joining me in the studio, we've got Sam Ethington, who leads the science organization at the Climate Corporation. How are you doing today, Sam? Doing great, Rick. Hey, I'm really excited to have you in studio today to talk about something that is top of mind for a lot of folks in ag as an industry. You can't throw a stone without finding somebody that's talking about the concept of benchmarking, right? We see this in in a lot of other industries, uh, whether it's the finance industry, uh, other industries that are comparing using benchmarks as as a way for people to understand what they're getting or what performance looks like. And it's a truly unique opportunity we've got here to have someone with your science background to help us to understand this concept of benchmarking a little bit better and, uh, and how farmers can really use data and performance to understand how to make decisions as they move into the future. You know, Sam, I know you've been with us on the show before, but if you don't mind for our listeners who maybe didn't catch previous podcasts, would you mind telling them a little bit about your background and, and how you got here? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Sam Ethington, I'm a chief science officer here at Climate Corporation. I've uh, been around climate about four years now, uh, figuring out this uh, data world and how do we turn it into some sort of actionable insight for our customers. I have long history in ag, grew up on a farm, uh, still have the pleasure of farming a little bit with my brothers, and uh, spent about 20 years in the ag industry working on plant breeding and genetics. So uh, I have uh, live and breathe uh, agriculture, and this is just the next phase of uh, cool stuff coming in ag. Well, hey, let's let's not bury the lead here and let's get right to it, right? A lot of folks in the industry talking about benchmarking. A lot of folks asking for farmers to upload data, subscribe to their service, da-da-da-da-da, down the line. You recently uh, authored a, uh article on precision ag and benchmarking. Can you talk to us a little bit about that uh, that article and, and what you were trying to share with, with folks in the industry? Yeah, absolutely. So, um as you said, we, we hear a lot about benchmarking, and there's a lot of claims sometimes made about benchmarking what it can and maybe can't do for you on your farming operation. And so I thought it'd be good to take uh, our data out of field view and actually explain a little bit more to our customers, to our farmers, uh, how, how to think about benchmarking. And here's a simple way that uh, people ought to look at it. At the, at the highest level, benchmarking is nothing more than just summarizing your data. Right. You got a whole bunch of data, say, about your farming operation, yields of your hybrids, maybe your planting dates, maybe when you sprayed, et cetera, et cetera. And you can summarize that information. You can uh, aggregate it with a whole bunch of other farmers. Some might be your neighbors. Some might be in your same county or state level. Some might actually be quite a few states away. And get a look at, hey, how did uh, my farm perform relative to the aggregate of farms? Uh, how is my decision about uh, planting date compared to decisions other farmers are making? And and the, the key thing in the article was, if you're making comparators about what actions I did, maybe what equipment I have, what hybrids I plant, those are okay. Right, they're, they're very good things to do to say, hey, I planted 50 acres of this hybrid. I planted on these dates. What did you do? And it's uh, a neat way to understand other agriculture uh, activities and what your neighbors are doing, what the industry is doing, et cetera. The challenge, though, is when we start to want to ask questions like, hey, I have hybrid A and hybrid B, and I want to know which one yielded more. 
And typically, you'll see benchmarks, roll-ups, where they'll aggregate all the data. And hybrid A wins by 20 bushels, and everybody says, yeah, hybrid A is the better hybrid. And we basically said, hey, there's a lot of problems when you want to start making those types of comparisons. And, and we can talk about confounding issues and bias. And those are the two elements that people need to deal with. So so I just want to stop you for a second there, Sam, because, Sam, you know, listen, I, I don't have as many degrees as you do. You know, when you, when you talk about bias and confounding issues, talk to me a little bit about, you know, what, what, what do those terms mean? Yeah, no, great point. So let, let's start with the confounding issues. So let's say, you know, both of us are farming. And you plant hybrid A on some really high productivity soil, and you got uh, an extra couple inches of rain. You maybe put a fungicide on. And I had hybrid B, and I didn't get the rain. I didn't put a fungicide on. And so all of a sudden, when we compare hybrid A to hybrid B, we're not just comparing how those two hybrids performed. We're also comparing, oh, you got some additional rain, and you did a fungicide on your trial. And I didn't. And if you think about that, that becomes extremely complex. When you think about the dozens and dozens of different things we could do on our farming operations, decisions, different molecules we use, etc., it becomes so complicated that your ability to extract out of the data what is the true effect of comparing hybrid A to hybrid B is really difficult, right? And we can talk a little later, though. There are ways you can do it. Right, so confounding all these other farming decisions, weather, soil, you name it, all get rolled into there. The bias part comes into, for example, let's say I buy a bag of seed that costs me, you know, two hundred and fifty dollars, and I buy a bag of seed that costs me, you know, one hundred ninety dollars, and I farm very uh, different levels of productivity across my operation. Some fields might yield 250 on normal. Some fields might yield 150 on normal. Well, my tendency is to take my high-priced seed and plant it on my more productive fields and my low-priced seed on my low-productive fields because I'm trying to manage my total input cost relative to my expected outcome. Well, when I make that comparison, hybrid A, they got planted on really productive soils has much more yield potential than hybrid B that got planted on low productivity soils. And it's partially because of the price of the seed. So you just we see that in the data sets all the time. And uh, we thought it was important to try to put a little bit down in an article to explain it to people. Ah, thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. It's uh, it's interesting to hear you put it that way. When you, when you talk about it, it seems perfectly logical, right? If I'm going to compare two seeds, I've got to think about all the different things that impact that. And to your point, there are a numerous number of things that can really have an impact on that. And even if it's a similar soil type that's 50 miles away, the weather patterns that went through there, I mean, folks are living that problem today, right? Uh, in, in a span of 50 miles, you could have had a violently different precipitation uh, uh, amount this spring. So interesting to hear about that. So that's a problem for us because I, and we, we've heard from so many different places and in so many different industries, hey, you want to be benchmarking, you want to learn about this stuff. If that's a problem for ag because of these confounding uh, factors and the biases that you're talking about there, what what should we be doing there to understand what the best products are and, and what products provided the ROI that we were hoping for? Yeah, no, great question. And uh, let me break it down in a, in a couple of different points. The, the first thing which every grower has basically control of 
is run the experiments on your farm. And FieldView is really there to let you make uh, simple experiments and really analyze those results on your farm. So, for example, uh, and we see this on a bunch of our farmers, in fact, about 45% of our customers out there today are doing this, is run a split planter trial. If you have hybrid A and hybrid B, and you can split your planter, lines up with your corn row head, and you can go ahead and harvest those rows of different hybrid independently, you actually take a lot of the confounding factors out of that comparison, and you get a true measurement of, did hybrid A outyield hybrid B in my farming operation? And, and the way we've thought about it on our operation is, hey, do that on a number of fields. You might do that on some of your very productive fields. You might do that on some of your lower productivity fields. So you can see how that hybrid difference changes across maybe productivity or maybe you want to do it with different fertility situations or different fungicide treatments, whatever uh, you think is important in your operation. So run the experiment on your farm, uh, set it up in field view. You can measure it real simple, and you actually get a, a, a non-confounded effect right there immediately in your trial. Sam, you know, it's, it's interesting. You're talking about, you know, understanding performance on my farm, running the test and seeing how that works. I got to be honest with you. There's there's a lot of marketing claims out there in the industry right now that says, "Hey, you know, take advantage of of big data. Take advantage of of all of this information that's coming in. It's going to educate you. It's, you're going to be able to know more about it." You know what what are some of the challenges that you see? You know, they're they're obviously selling on this. Some folks are are purchasing into this. What are some of the challenges that you see around benchmarking that that might lead to a to a poor decision for a farmer? Yeah, again, what I what I tend to see is um, we talk a lot about big data. We tend to put a wrapper around a lot of uh, digital tools. And when you really dig into them, and that's what I would encourage farmers to do, is you know really dig into some of these tools, you actually find there's not that much data behind the scenes. And again, it goes back to if you have very limited amount of data, these confounding effects and the bias that are naturally there can actually give you the wrong decision. And that was one of the things we showed in our analysis was we took a large data set of split planter data against a what would be a typical benchmarking analysis, and there was essentially no correlation. And what that means is if, if you're using benchmarking to tell you hybrid A is better than hybrid B, it's basically random. Right? And we should not be you know, making decisions on our farming operations based on randomness. We actually should be letting data drive and, and tell us what to do. So uh, there's great opportunity there. And uh, it, it really, some of the next things we're working on will, will demonstrate more value. But in the short term, you know, run those trials on your farm and set them up and make your comparisons. What I'm hearing you say here is that not all data is created equal. And, and really understanding the source of that is going to be important for our listeners out there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, how that data is assembled. And you don't have to have an advanced degree in data analysis. Just, just think about even your own operation. Uh, you know, we farm north-south, 20-mile span. Uh, of course, it rains different between the north and south part of our operation. And trying to compare a hybrid, we planted up north to a hybrid down south, uh, we got problems in that comparison. So it, it's no different, uh, even though someone calls it a, a benchmarking tool. 
You know, you've been talking about running the split plant trials, doing the tests on your operation. You know, what what can farmers do today to improve their ability to to understand performance as they're thinking about setting up those types of trials or or even considering what types of things they want to compare and measure? Yeah, you know, the, the way we think about it is, you know, start with um, your best possible seed recommendations. And so we have built our seed advisor tool, which assembles all this data and turns it into an actual prediction. And that prediction we've validated over multiple years of, of field studies. And so I can walk onto your farm and say, hey, based on your farming pattern and operations, uh, the best set of hybrids for you to grow are these, say, five hybrids. And you may look at that, or your trusted advisor may look at that, or your dealer may look at it and say, well, I'm not sure about hybrid number four. Haven't seen that before. Uh, maybe I heard there was a little bit of a problem with it. Well, go ahead and run the split planner. Set up that experiment. Test it on your operation. Compare it against what you think is your proven hybrids. And that's a great way for you to now really test you know, how good our models are, validate the uh, additional performance we think we're going to give you, and learn on your farming operation what, what you should do. And, and I'm using a seed as an example, but the reality is that could be applied to crop protection molecules, fertility, uh, even your own farming practices and tillage operations, what you want to do. You know, Sam, I've been talking to a lot of folks, and there's a lot of excitement around digital agriculture and, and the way that it's evolving things and how, theoretically, it's going to make life easier, right? It's it's going to help us to make decisions. What I'm hearing you say here today is, hey, you know, some of these tools that are out there may not be pointing us in the right direction. You know, I, I know that you've got a, a strong team of folks working with you at the Climate Corporation uh, on the science team. You know, are there things that are coming down the pipeline that are that are going to help us to to be more efficient in understanding performance and and better be able to understand how to make the most optimal decision, especially in in challenging uh, in a challenging economy like we have today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of the second wave of research we're working on kind of falls in this space we'll call machine learning uh, in in real general terms, but but it goes like this that. When you, when you bring in enough data around, say, hybrid genetics and how they yield, and you associate all that data with all the weather information that occurred on each and every field, and you associate that with all the soil types and all the farming practices and fertility and fungicide application, you actually get to let the computer teach you about how hybrids perform. And we're now uh, been running some of these models the last year or so where uh, assembling, you know, tens to hundreds of millions of acres of data and letting the computer figure out the agronomics that are going on, right? Letting it understand how to best predict that yield. And what, what that gets you to is a world where it's not only useful in when you need to make a decision, like, for example, should I spray a fungicide molecule today? You know, the computer starts to say, well, here's the probability of getting a return if you made that decision today. It also becomes the framework of, of rules about how to make comparisons, how to do benchmarking in a smarter way uh, across all this data. Now, here's the irony of it, right? If you've studied some of these um, machine learning models, is uh, sometimes they're hard to understand. 
I, I mean, I, they, I can totally relate to that. There is a lot that I don't understand I, about that. I, I look at some of our simpler models that are trying to decide what disease is on your corn leaf, for example. And there's tens of twenties of millions of different variables that flow into that algorithm. In a lot of cases, we don't actually understand what some of those variables are. Uh, when you look at them, you're not sure how to interpret them. So my point here is this complex agronomy that we're in of how to grow crops out there in this environment is just that. It's extremely complicated. But all this data ultimately lets a computer start to figure out that complexity. And there will be things in there that we don't understand. Hey, we didn't understand that you know, weather, when it interacts with fertility on this hybrid and this soil type, really does very different sort of response. But that's what we're going to learn and figure out. Uh, we're not there yet today. Uh, but when you get there, that becomes the ultimate way to do benchmarking. Sam, let me ask you this. I mean, ag is a notoriously hard-to-predict industry, right? I mean, abnormal is the new normal. Every year we've got something new to contend with in different geographies. If you look in your crystal ball and you start to project out into the future and and where the science can take us, where data capture can take us, are we going to go to a place where there eventually is a right answer? Or is there always going to be some degree of uncertainty that's going to come with with producing in agriculture? Yeah, there's always going to be uncertainty. Uh, we, We don't predict, nor do we control the weather. Uh, every once in a while, people say, oh, you're a climate corporation, you must be controlling the weather. Uh, we don't. And, uh, you know, some of the best state-of-the-art weather models, you know, have decent ability out 10 days, two weeks. Well, your definition of decent is a little rough. I, I'd like to be a weather person so that I could be wrong half the time and <laughs> still get to keep my job. Yeah, fair point. Um, but it's still, on on the whole, the, the predictions are good enough that they change the um, the probabilities of the outcomes, right? And that, that's really ultimately what we're after is I have to make a series of decisions in farming. And if in every decision I increase my probability of success, then I get essentially the cumulative multiplication of all those improved decisions. And that, that, that's ultimately where it'll be, but it, it will be a world of, hey, there's an 80% chance you're going to get a return on this fungicide if you spray now, given your crop, given your disease level, given the next, say, two weeks of uh, weather forecast. means it's going to be wrong some of the time, but I'll take an 80% win rate over random every day. Sam, you're, uh, you're you're talking in a language that's a little bit different than I'm than I'm used to, right? I, typically, when we when we talk to folks in in industry that are selling products, they're talking to us about how great the product is and how it's going to yield and it's going to produce and it's going to be profitable for me. You're, you're talking about this much more in terms of, hey, sometimes it's going to work, sometimes it's not going to work. What we want to do is, is steer you towards uh, the greater probability of that thing working. You, you sit at, a, at an interesting spot, right? You, know, you, you talked about how your, your family's got a farm, still active on the farm. However, you're, you're also you know, on the cutting edge of, of science in this industry as well. So you know, from where you sit, this, this interesting nexus of, of practical implementation and cutting edge science development, 
What advice would you give to to farmers that have tried to use benchmarking at this point or have tried to use some of these different tools out there? What would you tell them as they think about how to how to manage their operations today that takes into consideration both the, the practical viewpoint of, of a farmer while also thinking about your strengths and knowledge as a, as a chief scientist for Bayer? Yeah, I, I'd give farmers two pieces of advice there. One is, hey, if you want to know simple things like how many acres of hybrid got planted or what planting date was averaged in your area and where you rank as far as how big your farm is, hey, benchmarking is a great way to go do that. If you want to start understanding what's the value of making a decision about hybrid A versus hybrid B or spraying a fungicide, I would tell you most, in fact, all the benchmarking tools that are out there today are, are have the risk of just basically giving you a random answer. And, and that's what our analysis clearly showed uh, in, the, in the paper we put together. And so I would tell you, run experiments on your farm and use tools that are really driven uh, from data to create predictions on your farm, like our seed advisor is really designed to predict what is the best hybrid for your field. And if you're not sure about our predictions, then go ahead and test it. And that's the beauty of FieldView, bringing transparency to agriculture and making it simple for farmers to run those experiments. So if you want some general basic stuff, go for it. If you want to know real effects, decisions you should make, uh, you need to get into real experimentation and real prediction tools. Sam, one of, one of the things that always gets people a little bit leery about experimentation, though, is it's is it's doing something new, right? Oftentimes, you know, some things will get recommended, and I've I've heard guys kind of chuckle and say, "We've never done it that way. I'm not going to try it that way. There's there's too much at stake." What advice or what insight would you give to folks that are a little bit leery about trying different or new agronomic practices, and you know, keeping themselves safe and and whole while also creating the opportunity to learn and and potentially create increased profit? Yeah, I I I, I tell people to start with, you know, the simplest stuff first. Uh, start with stuff that you maybe have interest in learning more about or even changing on your operation. So, for example, look, you're going to buy seed every year, and you've got to make a decision about what seed to buy. Uh, you're getting a lot of advice from dealer and seed salesmen and maybe your neighbors and uh, maybe even the, the son or daughter that came back from school. Uh, but it's it's easy enough to go ahead uh, with relatively little extra work to go ahead and set up some split planter trials and, and run those comparisons, you know, test different hybrids. Start small, you know, put it on two or three fields. You know, you don't need to flip the whole farming operation right off the bat and, and learn from that, learn how to do that. And from there, it's pretty easy to get into, well, should I do a fungicide? Leave an unsprayed uh, check strip. You know, should I do some different density or fertility? In fact, I'll tell a quick story. I I was getting my brother to do some density trials, and one of our old planters does not have variable rate. Uh, so I made him actually get off and change sprockets across the field to get different density experiments across the field. I and bet you were really popular I, with him, I weren't was, you? I uh, was not at all popular. But the, the learning was, hey, actually it worked. And, and their takeaway was, shoot, we should be putting more seed in these parts of the fields and less in these other parts of the field. And while that took more time for them to plant and probably not something we'd do at scale, it gave them information about as they think about the equipment turnover, which will happen on the farm, should we go ahead and invest in variable rate scripting for the future? 
And they have some now real-time data on their farm that says, yeah, we could actually see an effect. Uh, it's probably wise for us to do that as we think about swapping out that planter. Be honest, you enjoyed teaching your brother a lesson there, didn't you? Did, did you drop and I told you so on him? You know, I, uh, I I tend to drop a lot of pins in field view and they tend to ignore me. So, uh, <laughs> it's always great dealing with family. Well, hey, Sam, we talked a lot about this article. If, uh, if folks, if our listeners want to learn more about it, where can they find that thing? Yeah, I think you can uh, find that article out there on climate.com or uh, precisionag.com. Thanks, Sam. We'll go ahead and put that in the podcast notes so that people can find that and reference that article if they'd like to. Sam, appreciate you taking the time with us here this uh, this afternoon. Really insightful to learn more about benchmarking and uh, and how it can actually lead us in the wrong direction if we're not paying attention to, to the data that's there and being included in that. Makes total sense when you think about it. I mean, you know, a simple guy like me, I've learned about confounding factors and bias today too, and and how those things can really impact that analysis. You know, it seems that uh, the where we're sitting today, some of the best things that we can still be doing is is running split plant trials and understanding performance and really continuing to test these new tools that are coming out into the marketplace to help us to make recommendations or to to make decisions on farm and ultimately improve productivity. So, appreciate you taking the time today, Sam. Appreciate. Thanks, Rick. Pleasure being here. Well, hey, as always, want to say thank you to our listeners who tuned in. Don't miss any of our episodes. I know you wouldn't want to. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us at www.climate.com. We want to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or questions, go to Twitter, search for FieldView. You can find us there and then use the hashtag, hashtag FieldViewATF, so that we can find your tweets and we'll do our best to answer your questions because honestly, you guys come up with the best ideas. Speaking of feedback, we wouldn't be opposed to getting that great five-star review. If you send them our way, we greatly appreciate it. That's all we've got for today. We'll see you around the farm.